0: This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice writes James Monaco in his book how to read a film so far in our podcast the artists we have had filmmakers writers critics programmers from some of the top film festivals musicians thinkers defining their combinatorial skills we at Metaphysical Lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences and also we have tied up with Epilogue Media, the podcasting network so you can find us on their website, Media slash the artist and of course you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from Apple Podcast to Spotify, to Gio to Google Podcast, everything is mentioned in the description and and of course, you can reach us uh, on the WhatsApp number and our email ID. I'm your host, suchita and I'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you. Hi, guys. Welcome to a quick episode of our podcast, The Artists. Hope you all are doing well and your near and dear ones are fine. Suddenly we see these bursts of trailers being thrown at us, releasing in theatres. But we here in India are still far from it, but hopefully soon. Today we have Mary Pickford with us, and of course, if we are watchers of cinema and silent cinema, we know who she was. It's very surprising that we're doing this episode on the day when we lost her on May 29th, 1979. Of course, this was not planned. It's easily coincided, and I'm a huge fan of coincidences. A silent film journalist described Mary Pickford as the best-known woman who has ever lived. The woman who was known to more people and loved by more people than any other woman that has been in all history. Wow. So who is Mary Pickford? Of course, the cinema lovers and the lovers of silent film era have seen her in all the amazing pioneering films that she did with D.W. Griffith. We already have him on a snacky episode earlier. Check that out. Mary Pickford was a Canadian-American actor and producer with a five-decade of career and 200-plus films. She was one of the most popular actresses of the 1910s and 20s. She was called America's sweetheart, and she made a significant contribution to the development of film acting. So, all actors listening to this go study her films and watch them on YouTube. This is how BBC Culture.com describes her, and I quote credited with defining cinemas ingenue archetype Pickford was Hollywood's first close-up and Hollywood's conscience soldiers wore her portrait in lockets they took to war she looked Victorian and acted modern she was the first actress to fly in an airplane on a film and she invented spotlighting to make herself look younger before Pickford the movies were Disreputable. No wonder her career change alarmed Demel. But instead of Hollywood destroying her, she helped rescue it, which makes her the ultimate Hollywood heroine. So the word "ingenu" used here means... A girl, a woman, endearingly innocent. Go check that out on Wikipedia as well. Mary Pickford was awarded the second Academy Award for Best Actress for her first sound film role in coquette 1929. She also received an Academy Honorary Award in 1976 for her contributions to American cinema. The American Film Institute ranked her as 24th in its 1999 list of greatest female stars of classic Hollywood cinema. And I'm not a fan of rankings, but just keeps the entertainment going. So guys, how did Mary Pickford, who was so poor, pushed to act in theatre by her mother, become one of the most sought-after and the highest-paid actor in cinema around the time, right next to Chaplin? So this information comes from Wikipedia. On April 19th, 1909, the Biograph Company director, of course, Griffith, screen-tested her at the company's New York studio for a role uh, for one of the roles and the role never came to her but Griffith was immediately taken by Pickford and she began working as a motion picture extra at Griffith's biograph company starring in his 1909 film The Violin Maker of Cremona Pickford quickly grasped that movie acting was simpler than the stylized stage acting of the day. Most biograph actors earn five dollars a day but Pickford's single day in the studio, Griffith agreed to pay her $10 a day. Now, a little trivia on her relationship with Griffith was, again quoting from BBC.com culture, the movies were her mother's idea. At first, Pickford had hoped Griffith would say no, but in those days, directors were desperate for actresses, so he dragged her into her studio, painted her face black and white. I looked like Pancho Villa, she groaned, and ordered this teenage theatre veteran to overact. Pickford refused, and their relationship dynamic never changed. Griffith was determined to break Pickford's will, mocking her as the great, unkissed, and she was the only actress who fought back because she had her stage career as a safety net. Pickford, like all actors at Biograph, played both big parts and leading roles, including mothers, charwoman, spitfires, slaves, Native Americans, spurned woman, prostitute. As Pickford said of a success at Biograph, this comes from a website, fan magazines were created because of stars like Mary Pickford. In fact, the very first issue of Photoplay in 1912 featured Mary dressed in character for Little Red Riding Hood. Her first film director was D.W. Griffith, and she went on to work with most of the greats of her era, such as Demel. Alan Dwan, James Kirkwood, Ernst Lubitsch. Her career was buoyed by fellow professionals who were also friends, including the cinematographers Charles Rocher and the screenwriter Frances Marion, at a time when the art form was in a near constant stage of change. Some of her best performances were in Griffith's films, such as Friends, The Meander of Nets, Just Like a Woman, The Female of the Species. She appeared in 51 films in 1909, almost one. A week. Wow. With the release of Tess of the Storm Country in 1914, that's on YouTube, go watch. She was firmly established as America's sweetheart. Her appeal was summed up two years later by the February 1916 issue of Photoplay as luminous tenderness in a steel band of gutter ferocity. Only Charlie Chaplin, who slightly surpassed Pickford's popularity in 1916, came close to that. Pickford was the first actress to sign a million-dollar contract in 1916 where, in addition to her $10,000 a week salary, she was given half of film's profit, which came to more than $10 in today's times. And then came this big news in 1919. Pickford, along with Griffith, Chaplin, Douglas Fairbanks, formed the independent film production company United Artists. Through United Artists, Pickford continued to produce and perform in her own movies. She could also distribute them as she chose. And United Artists is again in news now because Jeff Bezos has been interested in it and I think they've already done the deal, taking the entire library of United Artists that's on the net. The formation of United Artists made the artists fiercely independent, dodging the interference of the studios and creativity. By 1920, Pickford became one of the most Powerful people in Hollywood. Pickford's popularity continued unabated in Pollyanna 1920, Little Lord Fauntleroy 1921, Little Annie Rooney 1925, My Best Girl 1927, Cockwit 1929, her first talking picture, The Taming of the Shrew 1929, her only film with Fairbanks, her husband, and Kiki 1931. Although she won an Academy for Best Actress for her performance in Coquette the advent of sound had started and become a threat to the artists around the time. Chaplin, Tal Mag, Swanson, Jory Barrymore, D.W. Griffith, among other people, spoke on the radio show to prove that they could meet the challenge of talking movies. But the fact was that like most movie stars of the silent era, Pickford found her career fading as talkies became more popular among audiences. Pickford eventually left acting and moved to producing. In 1936, she became vice president of the United Artists and continued to produce films for others including One Rainy Afternoon, 1936, The Gay Desperado, 1936, Sleep My Love, 1948, and Love Happy, 1949 with the Marx Brothers. She did not stop there. She got involved in a variety of philanthropic causes. During World War One. she promoted the sale of Liberty bonds, making an intensive series of fundraising speeches beginning in Washington, D.C., where she sold bonds alongside Chaplin and Fairbanks and Mary Dressler. In a single speech in Chicago, she sold an estimated $5 million worth of bonds. She continued to use her power and her status in 1916, where she collaborated with Constance Adams DeMel, who was wife of director Cecil B. DeMel, uh, and they found the Hollywood Studio Club, which was a dormitory for young women involved in the motion pictures business. At the end of World War I, Pickford conceived of the Motion Picture Relief Fund, an organization to help financially needy actors. Pickford was also one of the original founders of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in 1927. She and Chaplin remained partners in the company United Artists for decades. Chaplin left the company in 1955 and Pickford followed suit in 1956, selling her remaining shares for $3 million. A little trivia again about Pickford and her marriage to Douglas Fairbanks. Of course, their villa was called Pickfair and it was inhabited by celebrity events. Visitors included George Bernard Shaw, Albert Einstein, Helen Keller, H.G. Wells, uh, Amelia Eckhart, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Noel Cobard, and of course, Charlie Chaplin, and aren't we all swooning, imagining all these people in one place in one room around that time? And of course, the legendary villa was demolished recently to build a palatial home for an actor. For Pickford's contribution to the development of film, the major artistic invention of the 20th century makes her one of the most important cultural figures in American history. At the age of 87, on May 29, 1979, Pickford died at a Santa Monica, California hospital of complications from cerebral hemorrhage. Her net worth around the time was estimated at $50 million dollars. And as D.W. Griffith said about Mary Pickford in 1928, and I quote, she has tremendous driving power in her and a most remarkable talent for self-appraisal. She never kids herself. The thing that most attracted me the day I first saw her was her intelligence. I found she was thirsty for work and information. She was and is a sponge for experience. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the legacy of Mary Pickford. Go catch her, go watch her on the internet, on YouTube channel. You can watch a lot of her work and her films. So that's it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're going to be back with more episodes of The Artists. So stay tuned and take good care of yourself. And as always, count your blessings.